Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you so much for tuning in. Again, we appreciate you guys. We had, I think, almost a record number of podcast downloads yesterday. And thank you. What I think that is, is two days of very impactful and provocative uh, subjects and podcasts. On Tuesday, we had uh, Dr. J.T. James Taylor, and we talked about critical race theory and he's a pastor in Oklahoma. And, on, and yesterday we had John Haller talking about uh, prophecy updates and just what's going on in the country and how it's being deconstructed, what they're doing to uh, dismantle the system, so to speak. Fascinating. So I think with those two, it brought us, uh, I believe, a record number of downloads. So God gets the glory. And thank you. Thank you very much. Um, let's see. I can't wait to get to this uh, pop topic today, uh, we really need a perspective check. I confess to you that I tend to uh, be maybe not overwhelmed, but I, th- I tend to focus on the little things. I don't know if you can relate to that. And we are going to understand really the biblical worldview from a wider lens and look at persecution today and what uh, people go through around the world and uh, we know it's coming to America to some degree, but uh, we're doing what we can right now to share the gospel while we have breath in our lungs and while we have the religious freedoms that we do. So it's open. God, thank you for giving us this opportunity. Prepare our hearts for this subject today and help us to hear what you would have us hear from our guest today, who um, all the things that he's been through, Lord, it's for your glory that he has a testimony of your faithfulness and a testimony of forgiving his torturers and those who kidnapped him. And we thank you for his ministry here and abroad in Africa. And we praise you, Lord, for making all things work together for our good and for your glory. We praise you for that. You promise to continue to use us one day at a time. And we pray that uh, we would continue to be led by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's bring in today's guest. His name is Okongo Sampson. He's the author of the book, Abducted But Not Forsaken. came out this year. He's the founder and president of Unite for Africa. He went to medical college in Nairobi, studied medical research and oncology at Queen's University in Northern Ireland. He joined World Medical Mission and has traveled to over 50 countries, training ministries and helping develop church leadership. Leaders and organizations from different countries have invited him to participate in peace, reconciliation, and negotiations in the Middle East and Africa. And by the way, Okongo has been imprisoned in 15 countries for sharing the gospel. Okongo Sampson, welcome to Stand Up for the Truth. Thank you so much for having me for Stand Up for the Truth. Yeah, We are so blessed. Now, you're in Tucson, Arizona. We're uh, up north, and... We are going to hear your story today, and I was reading about it last night. I'm so excited to talk about this, Okongo, 
First of all, I want to point people to your book over on Amazon. It's called Abducted But Not Forsaken, How One Man's Escape from a Notorious Terrorist Brought Hope to Africa. And I believe you're going to bring hope and perspective to a lot of people across the country listening to your story right now. So let's go to the beginning. Actually, before we get to your just how you grew up and how you got into Christianity, the Christian faith, I just want to share with people uh, part of your story that you you have been imprisoned in 15 countries, and you miraculously, I believe it's a miraculous work of God, with the amount and type of torture and suffering that you endured, you were able to forgive those who persecuted you, and that is a miracle. And so we will get to that, but Okongo, share your story um, when you were, you know, growing up, how did you learn about Jesus Christ and the gospel? Well, I was born uh, in East Africa, just to close the border between Kenya and Uganda. And uh, my parents um, had a large family, uh, uh, 16 children. I'm number 15. Wow. So, uh, so basically, you know, we, we were just kind of really in the poor rural area. But really, uh, my first encounter with the Lord uh, when I accepted Christ was uh, at age 15, uh, when uh, there was a youth camp, and my dad um, had asked me to, to, to basically escort one of the, uh, the preachers who were supposed to go there, and he got lost, and he did not know the way. So, uh, so I was supposed to just take him there, and then after he arrived, then come back home. But... It was a long, a long walk. Uh, we arrived around 9 p.m., and uh, so it was not possible for me to return back. Number one, because it was late at night, and uh, there were uh, there were animals, uh, lions, hyenas. You know, they are pretty much a uh, uh, dangerous. So, so I could not come. Then number two, also at that time, I never had shoes in my legs, so I had thorns in my legs because I was just walking barefoot. Oh my goodness! So. So I came to a point where I thought, like, if I can stay here in the camp, uh, the youth camp, for the night so I can return tomorrow after removing thorns in my legs, then that would be just appropriate. Well, that was the night I had the gospel, and I gave my life to Christ with oh. thorns in my legs. Praise God. And uh, so and I returned back home three days later. I did not even return home the next day. I was just emotionally uh, overjoyed, and, and so uh, so I got to be... Uh, to be blessed by just going that way in a way I was not supposed to be and uh, met the Lord. So that was that. Did you say you were 15 years old? Yes, I was 15 at that time. Okay, so your book, Abducted But Not Forsaken, relives the details of your many escapes. And we want to hear about that because uh, how, how is that possible? We know that God had a hand in your escaping, but uh, you were kidnapped, imprisoned, tortured. And then we, we do want to hear that progress, how long it took for you in your struggle to be able to forgive your abusers. Most of us in America, Okongo, because of the religious freedom we have here, because of the freedom of worship and what we've been able to do here, sharing the gospel up until now, um, freely and without persecution, we have a hard time understanding what you went through. So tell us about what happened a year later. When you were 16 years old and you joined a missionary trip near your home in Kenya, so at that time there was a, 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 a mission uh, 
group traveling from village to village showing Jesus film and uh, witnessing and doing mm. evangelistic. They were called the Guna, mostly from uh, uh, Germany. And they were with the big truck. Uh, so it was really fascinating when they were going to a village singing and, and just giving the gospel. So I, I when I returned from the camp, uh, I decided to kind of follow them in, in the villages where they were. And that's when I heard them say that, you know, uh, there are they are places they are trying to go, and really no one no one really would like to to go to those places. And one of them was uh, Southern Sudan, mm. and then and then also uh, um, Northern Uganda. So and at that time, you know, I, I was like, you know, if if no one wants to go, I want to go because I just had this gospel. Mm. If this gospel can be taken to those places and change people's hearts. Uh, then, then I think uh, the suffering in those places would would stop. Mm. So, uh, in my in my thinking, I thought like if I can give my time to go, I think that would be good. <clears throat> so, at age sixteen, uh, they were making a trip, planning a trip to to northern Uganda, and so they, I asked them like, can I go? And uh, and the, but at that time they were saying you are underage, but if you want to go, may try to find a, a bus going up there. And if you go there, we meet. You'll meet us over there, and uh, we, we you you can be a part of the team. So I decided to find money and take the bus to northern Uganda. And on the way, uh, the bus was abducted by Lord Resistance Army, the then now called the Lord Resistance Army. And um, um, so I found myself into this thick forest uh, in into the rebel uh, leaders. And uh, I was abducted there for about um, uh, over three weeks, uh, not knowing what was going on, challenging. And um, in that forest, uh, it was tough. I tried to escape the few days I was there, and I was caught and, and brought back, and, and I was beaten. Mm. Uh, and they twisted my, my knee so I couldn't run again. Mm. And uh, there was it was really miserable in the camp. Number one, just trying to... To go through this beating, and then we were being trained to uh, to go uh, fight as you know teen soldiers in the front line. Mm. Um, but at the same time, while we were there, we were also uh, being like you know sexually abused, you know uh, because that's what the soldiers would do when they they were really intoxicated, um, brutal, uh, brutal uh, malicious group. <clears throat> and so, um, so uh, about three weeks, I the pain was so intense. I knew it was a matter of time before I died because I had seen some kids died mm. while I was there have become. Wow. But at the same time, um, the, the many young kids and even adults that were taken uh, to the front line to fight, they never came back. So rumors I had was that uh, they were killed in the front line. So they never came because they, they were killed. So I knew that even when my knee would heal and be taken, I would, I would die. Then at the same time, uh, I know a few who were trying to run as fast uh, to escape from the gate, and they were shot dead. And so I, I realized that my hope is not there. Mm. One way or another, I'll die. Being in the camp, going through the pain, the torture, the abuse, I'll die, just mm. like I've seen others die. Mm-hmm. When I go to the front line, I'll die. If I try to escape, I'll die. And then one night, I heard this voice. It rather it's better to die doing something. I choose the option of walking at night when the soldiers were asleep. 
and they were never really asleep. And the night that I decided to walk uh, the gate, and that's the night the angel made them sleep. And that's how I escaped. Walk all night long, found myself far towards Gulu Town. And that's how God miraculously allowed me to escape from the Lord Resistant Army. Okay, that reminds me of the Apostle Peter's story. <laughs> when he was imprisoned and, and, and everybody fell asleep and the gates opened. Now, weren't the gates locked? How did you just walk out? They had uh, almost about five, uh, five uh, uh, rebel leaders always guarding the gate. They didn't. It's forest, you know. It's just this big forest that there was no, like you know, um, the, the the usual gate we know. Okay. It's just kind of fence like that, and it's just so thick, dense forest, uh-huh. you know. And uh, and so it's just guarded by those uh, nonstop um, uh, guard who are awake. Uh, it turned out that this time, just the Lord made them sleep just for me to escape miraculously. Mm. That's just a, that's just now, a, when I, Go ahead. That's just a fascinating. Go, when, please continue. Yeah, and when I escaped, really, I did not know because it was thick in the night and all. So it, it wasn't really not necessarily uh, peaceful because, you know, walking in, at the night when you don't know where you're going, you know, <laughs> in the forest, you know, there are also animals. You know, I just was... I just was walking like a dead man, going anywhere, just escaping the brutality of uh, the the physical torture, emotional and and, and mental, and 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 uh, it's it just it just I just was walking like a dead, and then I walked all night long. So Okongo, how far were you at this point from your home or from your village where where you were kidnapped? How far away were you at that point? Where I was abducted was about, uh, back then, the bus was taking about three days to arrive to northern Uganda. Wow. It was because of the road and, 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 and sites. Okay. So, but I did not even reach where I was supposed to go, which, you know, I, I did not even know at that time how long. that They were saying it would be about four days because you the bus would go stop, you know, and, and the bus would go and stop at night and... and uh, because the nights were dangerous with the the, the rebel leaders, mm-hmm. but apparently we were abducted in the evening. Wow. Uh, we are going to continue your story, uh, but we want to just remind people your book is available. It's Okongo Samson, O-K-O-N-G-O, Samson, and he's the author of the book Abducted But Not Forsaken, and also the founder and president of Unite for Africa. That's the number four. We will put these links and this information in today's podcast post at StandUpForTheTruth.com. So, Okongo, you're a teenager at this point when you're walking around in the jungles of Africa after you were um, kidnapped and then tortured and abused and you got away, and that was God's hand because he had a calling on your life. Um, tell us about your 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 angry with God, your your emotions after that, you didn't understand why He allowed that to happen to you. So, share part of that story. So, uh, it took uh, miraculously to uh, to return back. You know, uh, when when I, the policemen and the military of the Uganda brought me back, um, it was challenging because I came back with trauma. I came back with pain mm. not only pain physically but pain emotionally pain mentally and with the with the visual things i'd seen and with the cry of uh, my other 
uh, teens who remained and, and them who are dying and, and the, the cry that we had, all those came with me. So I came up, I came back, uh, but not necessarily healthy in all aspects of life. Mm. Now, when I came back, as you know, Africa is very communal. Now, when you go on a trip like that, everyone wants to know, they want to gather, what, what did you experience? You know, tell us about how it went. I didn't have good story to share which made everyone kind of curious, what is that? And plus, I was not looking okay. I was not looking right. So I was in deep shame, deep pain, uh, struggle, you know, anxiety, depression. And, um, and I, I didn't know how to tell my story, how, how I ended up being abducted, and how I was tortured, and how I was uh, even raped there. Those were really tough things to share at that mm, time. Yes, uh, because I, I was just confused, and plus, you know, um, at that time I was told I was too young to go on a mission, and I just wanted to follow the Lord, you know, because the Lord had just given me a vision after I received Christ at Okongo. I want to use you to the uttermost part of the world to bring the gospel, good news, mm. uh, that will bring healing to many people. So I, I was thinking that was part of God's vision, of which I still think it is. Because to date, God has helped me go to 92 countries taking that gospel. Wow. So, uh, so when I came back to the village, it was challenging to share. So one evening, a weekend, uh, there were some pastors who were doing an outreach. So I thought, if I can go share with them, they can pray for me for two things to happen. They can pray that either I die, so I don't have to live with this pain and tell my story. Mm. And so, and that, that could take care of it. Or if they can pray for me to heal so I can get this emotional pain and the trauma, uh, then I would be okay. So I shared my story uh, with these pastors, and apparently it wasn't handled well. So uh, it became the talk of the, the crusade they were doing there, and, but, but mostly on the negative. That look at the boy who went, and, and he was not supposed to go. You know, God didn't call him, and now he ended up oh my being goodness. punished oh. because he was not God, walking in the anointing of God. And at that time, I didn't even know what those anointing were. Wow! And so that's why that's why he was raped. And then I became the talk, you know, because at that time it was even a taboo uh, to to talk like a man being sexually done. Mm. And so so I was in deeper shame, and that ultimately made me grow angry with people, angry with God, angry with myself, angry doubting the vision God gave me, and angry with the church as well, because I was alone. I, was, I felt like I, I was, there was no hope for me anywhere. So, so that is where I started having uh, anger, unforgiveness, bitterness about just anything in life. Now, it took one lady who told me, I have experienced uh, the sexual abuse, and God has sustained me to this far, and God will use you, mm. even with your story. And then I started to say, oh, there's a glimpse of hope. Some people can, can, can say God can use me, and it is only related to the voice that God had given me. That's when I started seeing hope. Mm. Now, as my story went in the negative and bullying where, you know, I was told, no, when will he be pregnant? You know, and I even doubted my identity that, wow, I, I should wow. be getting pregnant because I was raped. You know, that's how confused I was. Wow. And so as I continued uh, going through this village after village, my story going, I chose to share that at least 
I was abducted. At least all those happened to me, but God allowed me to escape. And he did not forsaken me when I was there. And so that I'm thankful. The rest I am not. So at least he did not forsake, forsake me when I was there. And when I shared that peace that I thank God because he rescued me, it started to give other people hope. Mm. Then ultimately, I started having hope myself that, oh, oh, my story can, can bring some people to emotional tears and they can acknowledge this Christ and, 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 and pray to God that God would not forsake them as well. And, and so the more I see a few people starting to be ignited and having hope as a result of me sharing that at least he got me out of that misery, mm. that encouraged me to continuously share my story, and it became God's story that led many people to Christ. And that's how I continued, even though I was dysfunctional, I was broken, I was hurting, I was wounded. Wow. Well, praise God for what you're sharing right now. I know it's, it's encouraging a lot of people. We have to take a break right now, but we've got Okongo Samson with us today, and the book where he details the story is called Abducted But Not Forsaken. And we'll talk more about some of the torture. You think it was bad, what he already described. Wait till you hear what happened in a Saudi Arabian prison where he passed out and God still used him. More on Stand Up For The Truth in just a minute. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. Our guest today is Okongo Sampson. The book is called Abducted But Not Forsaken, How One Man's Escape from Notorious Terrorists Brought Hope to Africa. And he lives in Tucson, Arizona. He's bringing hope to a lot of people across the country and around the world through all of his ministries, particularly with Unite for Africa. And I just want to share 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. It says, Indeed, all who want to live in a godly way in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. That's a promise from Scripture. Now, we understand there are different levels of persecution. God is sovereign over all things. So, Okongo, before we get to the next part of your story, when you were imprisoned in Yemen and you had some life-altering torture uh, by your captors, you said something before we took a break about people who were in your own community or church who said God punished you for going out and sharing the gospel, or God did that to teach you a lesson. That is not biblical, and that's not God's heart. Although he is sovereign and allows temptations and trials and pain in our lives, he did not do that to you to punish you. Could you clarify that and just, just really refute what they were saying in, in a minute or so? Yes, I realize that majority of the people really don't know because, you know, we have some people who are uh, having some false and true teaching that if you love God, then you will be protected, you mm. know. And some have even taught that, you know, if you are anointed, God cannot harm the anointed one. Mm. Well, that, that is a teaching that sometimes people could embrace. Uh, some, sometimes people don't understand that even through suffering, we get to know God better. How do we know God as a deliverer? Uh, when we Amen. are in a situation like that for him to deliver us? How do we know that God is a Savior when we are in a situation like abducted and he really saved our life? How do we know that God is a healer until we are sick and, and emotionally, mentally, and then experience his healing? And so some of those things happen as a result of the persecution like I was. 
So uh, in my in my um, my struggle, I tr- I started to kind of dig out, you know, why why was I persecuted that way? Yeah. I came to realize that oh, it was not only me. The disciples were even the prophet was subjected to some kind of torture and and persecution. So I was not alone. But then at the same time, you know, I know some of them who are put in a situation uh, to, uh, to 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 denounce their their God. He, that their God is not real, mm. and if, if their God is real, would save them from the fire. So, uh, so I came to realize that that was a false, um, uh, a false uh, a statement they made, and, uh, and 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 we have that a lot. You know, it's just the lie that people believe. Ultimately, I even bought some of those lies myself. You know, you know, people live in a lot of lies. You know, I I even believe a lie that maybe I'll be pregnant one of those days. Yet I knew I was a man. Mm. So uh, it's because of the lie that that was spread that you no, know, when 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 you're done, you'll be pregnant. So uh, so people do that out of ignorance, out of lack of knowledge. Yes. And then ultimately, uh, uh, ultimately the 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 truth get washed away, and and the lie can kind of perpetuate. And I find that this is all over the world. You mm. know, somehow the enemies know how to twist God's truth, and and people buy a lie easy. Yes. And you say uh, you grappled with this, what they were saying, and you grappled with anger, despair. Uh, you also said that you were moved by the Apostle Paul's ability to forgive and give thanks in all circumstances because of all that he went through, the beatings, the torture, the imprisonments, uh, being left out, you know, shipwrecked, all these different things that he went through, and he was used mightily by God. But you said that moved you, that made you understand that no matter how small or how great someone was in the kingdom of God, that he could use a person, but that doesn't guarantee that we will be protected. So I want to get to the next point that we shared a little bit about earlier, Okongo, that you were imprisoned in Yemen for sharing the gospel, and then you were thrown into a Saudi Arabian prison, and that was some of the worst torture you experienced. I know they took a drill and drilled through your legs and hung you upside down, and I just wanted to make sure people understand what happened before you explain, you know, what this process of being imprisoned and how brutal they were, because you would not submit to the prophet Muhammad and, and say, you know, Allah was your God. So you would not renounce your Christian faith. I think a lot of people in America, just by being called a hater, you know, some people will re, will not resist. But anyway, you did an amazing thing there, and only God could enable you to do that. So please share that next part of your story. Well, uh, story is really in a chronological in my book, Abducted but Not Forsaken. But real, as I was in the village, I continued sharing the story, and I saw that many people would gather and receive hope, accept Christ uh, from from Kenya, and then that got me to uh, to Sudan. And when I was in Sudan is when I met uh, some medical team that were uh, working in that region in the Arab League and Middle East, and uh, that uh, that's when I also faced my challenges in Sudan in prison, got out. And um, and then uh, got me connected to uh, to to Yemen, where there was a, a medical need. At this time, I had uh, I had done some medical work, and, and of course, you know, uh, so I was so much passionate to use that to enter into a different country to spread the gospel. So when I found myself in Yemen, and uh, um, I was found guilty by sharing and doing disciples uh, in the night, and then I was put in prison. Uh, but when I was released from prison in, in Yemen, they gave me two options. 
to be uh, deported back or stay but continue to do medical but not talk about Jesus. I chose to stay and uh, and spread the gospel and not talk about Jesus. But, you know, that can be tough. The, the gospel of Jesus is contagious. That when you stay, uh, like I did, it became part of the story because uh, when I was uh, given the opportunity to stay, they, they said they'll give me lashes and they give me some lashes in front of the public and then I chose to stay. So that became part of the story that why would you yeah. go to prison, whipped, and, and then uh, punish, and then you choose to stay to serve. So everyone was asking, but I took that opportunity to say, I choose to stay because of God's love for me mm. and God's love for you. Ultimately, saying that is continuing to share God's good news. And so it was not contained. And so that's what led a team who are from uh, uh, Saudi Arabia to say this is unusual. If even us, we would have gone back to Saudi Arabia. So uh, so somehow I left Yemen and this team be- continued to become friends with me. And so they invited me to go to Saudi Arabia. Now, how that's how I ended up going to Saudi Arabia. So I kind of realized that God was fulfilling his vision that he entrusted me with mm. in a way that I did not even know. I, he didn't give me a memo that I would be invited by Muslims huh. who met me in Yemen. I had no idea. So mine was just to be obedient and follow. So while in uh, while in Saudi Arabia, the same thing. So I was hosted by them, and of course, people would ask you story. You are new, and uh, and so where did you come from, and why are you here? Why do you do what you do? And, and it's all about Christ. Mm. I was just passionate that any story I would share, uh, it would always end with Christ. And and so before I know, there are some people who secretly started believing in Christ, just like right now. All over the world, we have people who are being subjected to persecution, but in their home, they are actually followers of Christ. And so the news kind of went out that, look, look at that person starting to spread a false teaching religious uh, in this country. So that got me into trouble, put in prison. And in prison, uh, I had... uh, I had learned that you know, when I was in prison in, in Eritrea, I sang my lungs out praising the Lord. And as a result of singing my heart out, I was released in prison. So when I was, when I was in Saudi Arabia, I was singing loud. <laughs> I was singing praising Jesus, and they did not like that. So that's when they came and uh, and uh, and wanted to stick my lips so I don't have to sing again. And I, 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 I played with them that I will not sing again. Oh, and the next night I was singing. And so then uh, they took me to a separate place because many people in prison, uh, as you sing along, they, they, over time they start singing the same tune you're singing, even though they don't understand. And then they say, well, let's separate him. When I was separated, I kept on just singing in, in my room. And that's when they drilled my leg, hung me upside down. I tell you, Pastor David, it's very tough to sing when you are hanging upside down. I mean, <laughs> that kind of stopped it. And so I pleaded for my dear life. And when they asked me, do you, want, do you still believe in Jesus? Actually, I lied. I told them I don't. I believe in Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, just so I could get out of pain, wow. which became one of my misery to know that I denounced Christ. I lied. That became part of my, my struggle to, to ask God to forgive me for even denying him when it really matters. So uh, the pain uh, caused me to do that, but, uh, but thank God for his grace that he, he allowed me to even uh, 
um, experience his full grace and forgiveness even when I came and repent that I shouldn't have uh, denied, should have died just just hanging into uh, Christ. But really I confess with my mouth, but inside my deep heart, I knew it was Christ in my heart. Mm. So, and then uh, God um, um, allowed me to be released from prison. And miraculously, when I was released from prison because my legs were drilled, I could not walk. They arranged for me to be uh, taken to a, a Muslim preacher's home, which was not far from the prison. And so that's where I was rehabilitated until I was able to walk and, mm. and be uh, be put on the plane uh, to fly from there to Dubai and ultimately to England and then to Kenya. Wow. So, uh, so and I was amazed that uh, in 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 the in the preacher's home uh, there was a Bible that that really took me on how do they have a Bible and so he allowed me to read the Bible and that's when I was reading about forgiveness I was reading about my persecution that you know w- we rejoice in in our suffering because God can be glory Jesus can be magnified so you know it's amazing how even circumstances like prison like that you still experience God and you experience his mercy, you experience his joy, but ultimately you see him continue to make himself be known as as we go through the suffering, just like the disciples and, and the early church were persecuted and, and scattered, and they continue to make Christ be known. Mm. At that time, I realized I was in God's vision that he had shared with me, I knew that I was walking according to his will. Meanwhile, when I was doing that, I was still wounded. I was still doubting. I was no. I was still broken, which which amazed me too. That in my brokenness, still God can use me. So uh, when I came from there, is when I learned this power of forgiveness. Hmm. Let's let's talk about that because you ended up. I know we're skipping parts of the story, and people can read the whole story in detail in your book, "Abducted but Not Forsaken," because we've only got five minutes left. Uh, you now have friendships with some Muslims who have become Christ followers, and they've some of them have spawned underground churches in several Muslim-controlled countries. Now, what I want to get to, Okongo, is you traveled back, you were able to forgive, and that was a process to say, I'm not obeying God, I'm, I'm harboring bitterness and unforgiveness, I've got to uh, release myself from this bondage. So you engulfed yourself in Scripture— and you ended up traveling back to some of the very places and speaking with some of the Muslims that imprisoned you to tell them you forgave them. And you had um, some people in tears in one place. Tell us that story. So when I came back in my brokenness, I got, I got uh, some brothers who really realized I was really even traveling as God opened open opportunity, but I was dysfunctional. So I had to go through this moment where I had to experience healing emotionally, healing spiritually, and learning how to uh, forgive the people who hurt me, and learning to forgive myself too, uh, and also learning to seek God to forgive me for my pride and dysfunctional as I was serving, that sometimes got me into, uh, into trouble. So when I experienced that healing through forgiveness, then and then is when God told me that you will go back to the prisons where you are you are tortured, except uh, the Lord resistant army because they were not having a structure whatsoever. They are just rebel in the, in the forest. And then you will uh, forgive those people who uh, who hurt you. Well, when I heard God's voice, 
that didn't go well because I struggled with that. I knew the magnitude of the persecution and the suffering I had experienced. And here God is telling me to go back. You know, I, I did not want that. But as you know, when God speaks and tells you to do something, if you don't do it, it's disobedient. Mm. So I said, well, I want to be obedient to what God has said, even though I just don't like to face those people who hurt me. And uh, as much as I've unpacked it in detail in my book, and I saw how God was able to release the more pain I had, even though I was healed, and to also free those people who were alive, and I met them face to face by God's way, miraculous way, extend that forgiveness to them. Some of them acknowledge, some of them apparently didn't, but uh, uh, eventually did later. And uh, God, I saw God transform their life wow. uh, through the power of forgiveness. And, and that even led most of them give their life to Christ. Some of them to date are working with us through our ministry of Unite for Africa, across Africa, and also in the Middle East and Far Asia, where we are, we are doing outreach. Uh, and, and so it, it's sometimes uh, amazing to me to even know that I'm serving with the people who even put me into those situations of uh, sexual torture, wow. uh, physical torture, emotional, that we can serve in the same king kingdom. It makes me realize my story is not my story. It's God's story to glorify himself. And now the power of forgiveness is what got us there. Mm. Forgiveness has really uh, is the medicine for healing our emotional, mental, and even my physical. Uh, that has brought joy to me, the joy that I cannot even, uh, I don't even know how to contain it. I'll continue Praise just serving God. the Lord because he has healed me. Wow. What a fascinating story. Okongo Sampson, I just want to share one quote from you. You said, forgiveness puts the final seal on what happened to hurt you. You still remember what happened, but you will no longer be enslaved by it. Um, the book yes. is Abducted But Not Forsaken. Okongo Sampson, thank you so much, sir, for your time today. God bless you and your ministry at Unite for Africa, and uh, we'll stay in touch. All right, my brother? Thank you so much, uh, David. God bless. Thank you. All right, when we come back, we've got another story. We're going to take a little turn and talk about some open admissions from some in power in America on the direction of the country and their intentions on doing the country harm. How could they want to do this? But they're now openly admitting it. More on Stand Up For The Truth in just a minute. Keep it right here. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. Let me share, before we change topics, uh, let me just share that full quote from Okongo Sampson because it's so important. Because what we've learned, we know from doctors and studies, uh, the act of forgiveness can reap huge rewards for your health. It lowers the risk of heart attack, improves cholesterol levels, improves your sleep, reduces pain, blood pressure, and levels of anxiety, depression, and stress. Forgiveness. When, you, when we forgive others. And what all that Okongo has been through, we most of us cannot even imagine. But he said, when we overcome suffering, we gain a better understanding of what it means to be humble, courageous, and loving as you forgive, you also become its beneficiary. And then he said, he testified, that forgiveness decreased my depression, anxiety, unhealthy anger, and symptoms of PTSD. Forgiveness led to my emotional, spiritual, and psychological healing. 
And like he said, you will still remember what happened, but you won't be enslaved to it. You won't be a victim of bitterness or, or unforgiveness. So what a great testimony. Again, we'll have the link to that book in the podcast notes today. So we only have uh, about 10 more minutes left, but I wanted to talk about this. It's almost surprising that the left is so open about their intentions anymore. This, we couldn't get the audio clip ready in time because uh, I just came across this article about the White House press briefing. I believe it was yesterday. Jen Psaki admitted that the Biden administration is using COVID to change the economy. Remember when President Trump had a record economy, the economic numbers were off the charts, the jobs, uh, even in the African-American community, minorities, record numbers of jobs, record highs, and unemployment record lows during the Trump administration. Now, that's fact. That's not opinion. That happened. So what Biden is doing right now is hurting the economy. And by the way, can't believe he finally spoke about the supply chain issues in America and around the world. Can you imagine President Trump, if he were in office, taking so long to speak on that important issue about the supply chain? So here's what Jen Psaki said. First of all, let me just lead up to this. Um, it, this was asked actually Tuesday's press briefing. When asked about the potential of cutting some programs and reducing the price tag on this $4.5 trillion budget proposal that the Biden administration is pushing, Saki rejected the notion. So in the White House's view, every one of Biden's priorities must be included and passed as soon as possible. She said this, quote, The president wants to make fundamental change in our economy, and he feels coming out of the pandemic is exactly the time to do that. Right from their own words. This you, Now, you, we don't need to even read into this because she's saying it. Biden wants to make fundamental change. Well, what does that mean? Biden's handlers, those who are operating in the White House, in the administration. They want to make fundamental change in our economy. Do you remember when Biden ran on Build Back Better? In fact, now they're openly saying that, hey, that, the media is touting it. Biden wants to build back better. Well, what's that all about? Did you know that's communist policy? How do you get to a point where you're going to build something back? It has to be either dismantled or destroyed, or the system has to be somehow wrecked. But it wasn't wrecked during the Trump administration. We had record numbers. We had the strongest economy in history, you know, really— um, almost you know, threatening Ronald Reagan's legacy of the strong the Reaganomics in the strong economic years in the late 1980s. But so we had good years under Trump economically. Let's just take that one part, the economic. Um, in the economy that Biden is pushing, there's unemployment's going back up. Job numbers are, are down. It's really strange because we know there's a lot of jobs available, that's because they increased not only welfare, they increased money for people sitting at home not wanting to go back to work. That's interesting. So I want to share this, this quote again. You know, before I do that, let me just give you some background. Um, five days prior to being elected in 2008, do you remember when Barack Obama said 
that the left was ready to fundamentally transform the United States of America? He meant it, because it sounded grandiose at that time. But he meant it and then went on to prove it. Now, what did Jen Psaki say again? The president, the O'Biden administration, wants to make fundamental change in our economy, and he feels coming out of the pandemic is exactly the time to do that. Now, we know one of their the, the pages from their playbook is never let a serious crisis go to waste. They're taking advantage of people, of Americans. They're taking advantage of this time of COVID-19. So let's continue here. After the Obama-Biden administration, there was, in our country, there was more division. Abortions had increased. There was more class warfare, more debt, national debt, more discrimination against Christians. Higher taxes, more racism, more regulations, less freedom. They were generally, in our government, more pro-China, pro-Islam. They were allowing in more legal immigrants, open borders. That's one of their policies. More socialism, more citizens relying on government, a gutted, weakened military, and less support for our great ally, Israel. That was some of the fruit of the progressive policies of Barack Obama. So in 2020... Few Americans seem to notice that Joe Biden's campaign slogan was Build Back Better. Why is that important? It's used by global socialists and communists at the World Economic Forum and power elites that want to dismantle America, weaken America so they can take over, so we can have a new world order. That's what the plan is, friends. I'm sorry. That's what the plan is. It's just the direction they want to go. It's not a surprise to most of us, but Biden's campaign website openly stated that part of his plan (laughs) to supposedly help the economy was a bailout for state and local governments and would force taxpayers to pay the bill. And what they were doing is bailing out mismanaged blue state budgets, California, New Jersey, New York, Illinois. I wonder if Oklahoma... Or Texas or Alabama got any of that money? We know the answer to that. So, yes, I'm sorry, friends. Some people are just evil. And this is demonically driven at its core. But some people just want to hurt America and our system and weaken us so that they can build a global system. So that's why it's important to recognize, open your eyes, when the White House press secretary admits that the president wants to make fundamental change in our economy. Understand where this is going, okay? Um, I could read more you know, from this, but I just want to go to, over to an article. And one reason they're really using our weakness and our, our health, the health issues, as a way to get more power, to take more power, actually to gain more power over people. Vaccine mandates, of course, is one thing they're doing. I love this quote, again, by Dr. Carol Swain. She said, I believe these mandates are a dress rehearsal for something more sinister coming down the pike. I love America, but do not trust current leaders. I believe they are capable of great evil and that some have conspired with our foreign enemies. A lot of people seem to be confused about some of these policies they're seeing now coming out of the Biden administration, even some who voted for them. When you vote for Biden and Harris, you voted for these policies. Oh, maybe you didn't want them, but you've got them. This is what you supported. So 
We've got Bidenflation. <laughs> Bidenflation, I like that. Southern border chaos, the growing influence of Marxism, critical race theory, which, by the way, if you missed that podcast on Tuesday with JT, Dr. James Taylor, go check that out on critical race theory. Um, vaccine mandates, alignment with China, military wokeness, the Afghanistan debacle, mask mandates for infants. Now you're kidding me, right? Public schools turning, turning against parents. Weaponizing the DOJ and the FBI against parents just coming to school board meetings. Yes, they're upset at what they're shoving down their children's throats. Yes, they're upset about some of the curriculum. So the Biden-Harris administration campaigned on uniting the country. (laughs) Biden's their great unifier, right? What has he done since he's been in office? Divide, divide, divide. Put down one side, tout the other. Um, anyway, it's very clear their intentions. So please, we've just got to keep this in prayer. We've got to act. We've, we've, don't hide under a rock. Don't hide your light under a bushel or under a basket. Um, let me just shift gears here and just share this scripture a friend sent me. Thank you, Lisa from New York. She sent me this scripture from Daniel chapter 11. Now the Jews were persecuted. They were brutalized. Uh, the city was taken over. Let's go back to Daniel chapter 11. And verse 32 says this, And by smooth words he will turn to godlessness, those who act wickedly toward the covenant, but the people who know their God will be strong and take action. Did you hear that? Daniel 11:32 b Read the butts in the Bible. But the people who know their God will be strong and take action. And those who have insight among the people will give understanding to the many, and yet they will fall by the sword and by flame, by captivity and by plunder many days. And some of those who have insight will fall. Understand, friends, as Okongo Sampson shared his testimony about being abducted, tortured, uh, persecuted, arrested, imprisoned in 15 countries for sharing the gospel. Uh, he clarified the fact, what, what we already know, that um, though we are believers and we have this mission by God, he, he will protect us to a degree, but he's not going to stop everything that could possibly happen to us. And that's his sovereignty, right? Some people um, you know, make it through okay. Other people end up with severe trials, but that's just part of persecution. Again, 2 Timothy 3.12, indeed. You know, let me read before that. 2 Timothy 3.10, Paul writes, You followed my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, perseverance, persecutions, and sufferings, such as happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, Iconium, and at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord rescued me. He went through them was severely beaten and tortured and persecuted, but the Lord rescued him. In other words, they didn't take his life until it was time. Indeed, verse 12, all who want to live in a godly way in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And then it says, what will the, imposter, or what will the opposition do? Evil people will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. And that's one point before we wrap up this segment, one point we need to make. Some are deceivers. 
and some are simply being deceived. They're not evil, but they're following these Antichrist agendas, and they are being deceived. And then some of them are becoming useful idiots. And that goes back to you know Russia and Stalin and, and Lenin, useful idiots under communism, out of dictatorships. But let's do what we can here in this country. Remember our main focus, friends. Do not shy away from the battles in culture. In fact, Okongo shared something really cool on his Facebook page. Let, let me just look at this real quick. One more. I'm sorry. I've got to share this with you. One more quote, and then we'll wrap up. And when we come back, we'll let you know who our guests are uh, tomorrow. I've got to share this quote. It's really good. And I got this on his Facebook page. It says, um, Psalm 119, 114, you are my hiding place and my shield. Sometimes we need to hide from the enemy. God is our hiding place. Sometimes we are called to fight. God is our shield. Isn't that a great quote? So we need discernment and wisdom on how to know when when to take shelter under God's wings and when to stand up and fight and be battle ready. So thank you guys so much. We'll put these links uh, in the podcast notes. And when we come back, we'll let you know who our guest is tomorrow on Stand Up For The Truth. Keep it right here. Stand Up For The Truth, a ministry of Lakeshore Communications Incorporated. Keep the discussion going on social media. Stand Up WI on Facebook and Twitter. Now we wrap up today's Stand Up For The Truth. Tomorrow we have another pastor's perspective with us. It's Pastor Tim Thompson, and uh, boy, does he have some good books. He's a pastor at 412 Murrieta, and that's out in California, 412 Church Murrieta. And uh, we'll be talking about his book as well as what he's been doing, being active in the community, going to school board meetings because of just some of the hyper-sexualized policies that's uh, already in our schools. He's a former Satanist, by the way. Uh, So let's talk to Pastor Tim Thompson tomorrow and hear about his book. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. God bless you. And as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter. 